shopping or in your car, they get in your car and then they take you around to the banks to try to get as much cash as possible and then let you go. And you're really lucky if that happens. The other case is that you, if you are kidnapped by a, a, a drug cartel, because they say that right now with all the drug war going in Mexico and Mexico government trying to stop them to do their business, this is a second source of revenues and it's a very successful source of revenue. And when I was in Mexico, I was talking with these women activists that she was saying that now women are so valuable that sometimes it's better to kidnap women and traffic with them than actually traffic with drugs. So this is right. The so these are women problem. who are kidnapped and then sold into sexual slavery and and used presumably as, as, as prostitutes or, or whatever exactly. happens to them. Right. And she was saying that sometimes women are more valuable than arms. And the drug cartels are actually thinking, oh, actually, a woman, if she's, you know, young enough, there's so many lives in her and so many roles that she can play that is very valuable. The BBC's Lourdes Heredia, and as Lourdes says, we're told that uh, Alan Pulido called for help from his own mobile phone. It was initially reported he somehow managed to hold on to it. But the Mexican authorities are now saying that he fought one of his kidnappers and uh, took the phone back. Well, by the way, it's an experience that's bound to leave its emotional scars on the player. So why do the kidnappers do it? Well, earlier this year, we conducted a rare interview with a kidnapper in Mexico. He's worked for many of the drugs cartels and greeted our reporter with a big smile and no remorse uh, over his career choices. His words were voiced by an actor. Kidnapping someone in Mexico is very easy and it's a faster way of getting cash than drugs. You can earn anything up to $2 million. We normally pick up people who are living the high life or who are misbehaving. I'm only violent with those who have crossed the limit, and that gives me peace of mind. At the same time, there's always a sadness in me. But I don't have regrets concerning those I've killed. If you're gonna be a tough guy, don't be the biggest and best tough guy there is. If I suspect you're f***ing with me, then I'm going to start pulling limbs off. And if the family is really making problems, sometimes it's easier just to kill the guy. The thoughts of one Mexican kidnapper. So other than Mexico and other well-known Latin American kidnap hotspots, where else is the ransom business flourishing? Will Geddes is managing director of the security firm International Corporate Protection. We generally find that the vast majority of these kidnappings taking place will be in places ranging from as far as West Africa and Nigeria through to Pakistan and a lot of the obvious locations like Afghanistan and Iraq. However, there are pretty much kidnappings in virtually every country in the world, many of which go unreported, and it's estimated only 10% of kidnappings are ever reported. The sort of common thread, I suppose, is countries where there's big income inequality and lawlessness. Indeed, and I mean, in certain parts of the world, and Mexico sadly included, there are concerns about the integrity of the certain agencies that one might call upon to assist you in a kidnapping, and therefore it's a very precarious ground which is exploited by the kidnappers to their advantage in certainly capitalizing on any ransoms that they can achieve in exchange for hostages. But is it the case that some countries do pay ransoms and some don't? Well, in many cases, a lot of governments and countries will pay ransoms. But again, the meaning of ransom can be in a variety of different constituent parts. It doesn't have to be necessarily financial. It could be commodity. It could be allowing for health care products to be potentially delivered into an area which desperately needs it. 
is there any way round that conundrum whereby, you know, in any individual case, maybe the government, but more likely the family or, or a private company will be willing to pay that ransom, even though everybody knows if you pay ransoms, then those kidnappings will continue. I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you get around that? Well, the wrestling of the ethics behind kidnapping and paying of the ransoms, especially, is going to be a, a, an enormous challenge and always will be an enormous challenge. Kidnapping is almost the second oldest profession in the world. The only way that you could potentially eradicate it would be at the time where you decide to sacrifice hostages. Now, that is rarely ever going to happen, if ever. But is it your understanding that, I mean, there is very little coordination on, on a governmental level as to how to, to tackle this? I mean, it, it all seems to be done on a case-by-case -case basis. Well, there are agreement between the G7 or the G8 countries, which are the fundamentally no government.